Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple podcast Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Welcome, welcome to the porch. Glad you could be here. Interesting times we're living in. You know, there's a, a, I think it's a Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. It's actually a curse. It's not a positive thing, but I think we're living in interesting times, and that's why we're talking about the things we are talking about. So that's what the porch is here for. Tonight's going to be a little different. Usually on Wednesdays, I have time to pray and praise and get locked in and you know there's a lot of different things going on and I was unable to do that plus I'm I'm a little agitated in my spirit of the things going on in the world so we'll see how this plays out tonight but this is where we start out with the praise reports and prayer requests you don't want to be a part of that I understand just go to the sound of the second shofar go right into the bible study if you have praise reports and prayer requests, doesn't mean I'll share them unless you want me to, but there's a community of believers that would like to pray for you. Go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, use the email of the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. Whatever you need to do, don't go it alone. I always praise the Lord every day, all the time, first thing in the morning, every chance I get, I praise Him. Praise him for my home, my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, uh, grandson, our furry kids, and everything that I have. I have nothing without the Lord. I have no salvation. I have no future. I have no present. Praise him for his provision. And I say provision singular because it's ongoing all the time. It's always flowing from heaven always flowing from his heart and his hand to us. For his protection, which is always ongoing, and boy, do we need it in this fallen world, especially right now. Praise him for the dreams and the visions and the interaction with the Holy Spirit and sharing stuff with us in accordance with his word. For divine favor, um, health, healing, I know some of you are struggling in that area. Don't focus on what you don't have. Praise him for what you do. Magnify him. Edify him. 
Make your spirit, man or woman, come alive in the praise of the Lord. We are new creations and we are living in prophetic times that people before us wish they could be here to see. So let's pray. Psalm 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Jerusalem and Israel hasn't been in the news that much of late, but I, I follow Israeli newspapers and news sources. And I can tell you that they're going through the same things we are here in America. So pray for their leadership. Pray for them as you pray for ours, that God would open their eyes, open their hearts, and shed his grace upon us. I pray for the people around the world right now who put their hope in men and women, put their hope in politics, forgot that it doesn't matter who sits in the White House, but who sits on the white throne of judgment. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, the the poor in spirit, the innocents, and those that are victims of injustice. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, for missing and exploited children, for the victims of human sex trafficking. Praying for our brothers and sisters all around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, another thing that the media ignores the growing religious persecution and anti-Semitism that indicates to me that the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well and preparing for his coming out party. I also believe we are seeing an escalation into their activities in almost a desperateness to put the world at a certain point for him to step out. But I'm praying against that. I'm praying for more time. I'm praying for the Lord to delay that so that we can get the job done. Praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design so that we can do everything he needs us to do in the fullness of our abilities. So if you are sick, if you are injured, if you are dealing with some kind of handicap or setback, again, praise him. Believe. Receive. Praying for divine protection, Psalm 91 covering, in effect, inspiration for the Holy Spirit to guide us in everything we say and do. I'm praying that those that are called the remnant, which is you and me and any other member of the porch, I don't believe the church cares what I have to say. I I speak to teach to the remnant. But I pray that they would hear the alarm clock going off, blaring, that if you've been called, answer the call. Find out where you are in your calling and rise up which means I'm praying for the open doors to all the projects and plans he's given us, which means we need kingdom finances for kingdom business. I'm believing that every day, that that is coming, that that's on the way. Praying for our lost family members, that they would come in before the end, before it's too late. Prayers always for the entire porch community in whatever your need is. Father, You're awesome. You are absolutely awesome. You are an awesome God. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We count on you. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of cattle. 
It's a lot of money. That's a lot of value. And while money can be the root of all evil, we can't do what you've called us to do without it. So we thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the favor. We thank you for Yeshua, for salvation, for everything that you've done and everything that you are doing. Lord, we praise you and love you beyond anything words can say. We are desperate for you, for more of you in our life. Desperate for your love. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the empty tomb, the upper room, which means we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, connecting us to you. We can hear your thoughts, know your word, know your will, walk in your power through the gifts and the fruit. So bless us this night. Bless and protect the technology. Let your spirit flow to each and every person that hears these words. Let the word come alive inside of them. Bless them, protect us, Lord, and glorify yourself through us. And we pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. For the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah, will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the very day when Noah entered the ark, and they did not know or understand, until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be unexpected judgment. So be alert. Give strict attention. Be cautious and active and faithful. You do not know which day, whether near or far, your Lord is coming. That word alert means watchful, prompt to meet danger or emergency, quick to perceive and act, a state of careful watching and readiness for danger or opportunity. Vigilant, wide awake, being on the lookout. I can tell you from my perspective of what I see amongst the people I know, what I see on social media, what I see in the world, there aren't a whole lot of the church that are alert. But I believe you are. And if you're listening, you wouldn't be here unless you knew that there was a reason to be wide awake. Noah was wide awake. I don't know how much he slept considering everything he had to do, but he was awake. And we should understand Noah and the times that he lived in to understand where we are now, to understand what to do. As it was, it is again. That's the title of this. This is part three of that. 
as it was in the days of Noah, it is again. As I look in the news and I see what's going on, the indoctrination of our children, what the media is doing, what politicians are doing, what the world is doing, all those sin, debauchery, all the things, the degradation, all the things to tear us down and bring us down to our base nature. See, I'm being very careful here of what I say because I don't want to give the enemy any opportunity to shut me down or take me off the air. I know the Lord will protect me, but I need to be as wise as serpent and meek as doves. But I can point out danger. I can say to you something is wrong. Something out there right now in the world, in our schools, in our everything is wrong. And the biggest thing wrong is that is it is without God. We pushed him out, pushed him out of everything. And then we wondered why it went wrong. Well, guess what? They did that before and we're doing it again. So if you go to Genesis 5, Genesis 5 gives us the genealogy, the lineage, the bloodline from Adam to Noah. So you have Adam, which means man. And then you have Seth, which means appointed. Enosh, which is mortal. Fourth in line is Canaan, which is sorrow. Fifth is Mahalel, which is the blessed God. Jared shall come down. Enoch, which is the seventh in line, means teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech means the despairing. And Noah, tenth in that lineage, means rest and comfort. The gospel prophecy is in those ten names. The entire story of the gospel prophesied in Genesis chapter 5 from generation to generation. It says this, Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort or rest. Enoch the seventh from Adam through Seth, Godliness attained its highest point. What's interesting is there's a second bloodline happening at the same time with very similar names. Pretty amazing that this parallel line of ungodliness through Cain, who was still alive, he's been cast out, he's killed his brother Abel, he's been sent out, He's been ostracized. And so he goes someplace else. We don't talk a lot about him. His bloodline died in the flood. But I also believe his bloodline is who the fallen watchers interacted with. I've always believed it. And I see it more in scripture than I've ever seen it before. The parallel line of ungodliness through Cain whose actions were inspired by the fallen watchers, motivated the judgment of the flood. And you have two bloodlines, two Enochs, two Lamechs, with very different outcomes. In Seth's line, the seventh man from Adam was Enoch. Represents a type of church who was raptured because of its close relationship with God, also means teaching. His church has caused a disciple to teach. 
In Cain's line, the seventh from Adam is Lamech. But in this case, this one represents the world. He is a confessed murderer, an unrepentant murderer, actually celebrates his ability to kill, and the first known polygamist who I believe was inspired by the actions of the Watchers. And through his children, sin and the inspiration of the Watchers took over the earth. But out of them came a mindset that was terrestrial, a mindset that was geared towards the world and not towards God. Came uh, animal farming, manufacturing, arts and music, entertainment. So that Lamech's name, which means despairing in this case, is about the world because all of those things were taught to them by the fallen watchers. Everything that the watchers of Genesis 6 are accused of is exemplified in the actions of the bloodline of Cain. Inspiration, I believe, to this day we are seeing more and more. What actions? Sexual impropriety, polygamy, sorcery, and incantations. The making of weapons, swords, and knives for warfare and bloodshed. Astrology as a perversion of astronomy, which God used the stars as signs and warnings. Seduction techniques through makeup and clothing and various uh, perverse sexual behavior, bestiality, and other things. All the things that we hear about in the land of Canaan. You have 200 watchers that came down on Mount Hermon in the time of Jared. And there were 20 leaders of 10 who spearheaded the rebellion. A small group of supernatural rebels led mankind into its destruction, the same as they're doing today. Now, of course, they're in the pit, and a large number of their offspring went into the pit with them, but a large number was left on the earth to torment man because man had chosen them over God. Every day I look at the news. I even look at what we call the church. I did that finger thing, the church. And I see their influence. I see how they've inspired people who claim to be believers to live a worldly and ungodly life just as they did in the days of Noah. It wasn't an overnight seduction. It was a drip, drip, drip into the water, a poison. It took time for it to take effect, but when it did, God had no choice. We're heading down that road again. The blind leading the blind into a ditch of death and destruction. But the godly Enoch, who we hear a lot about, was taken away by God. He walked closely with God, taken directly in human form without dying into paradise. And he did not experience death. Hebrews 11, starting with verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, 
Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, we never hear how Noah was warned, but in First Enoch, and again, if you're going to jump my case about quoting Enoch, you have to really do some homework, and I have taught on it. I don't know if I'll teach on it again. There's enough proof out there to show that the early church fathers knew the book, used the book. There's enough proof out there to show it preceded the gospel by hundreds of years, and that it was quoted by Daniel, quoted by Jude and Peter. It was something they knew in their day, found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we know from First Enoch that Noah was warned and told to do what he did. Enoch had an experience with God. We don't know what that was, but we know at some point he began to walk with him in the midst of everything that's going on in the world, his world. He's transfigured from life into eternal life. He's been exempted from the law of sin and death by God because of his close relationship And instead of being returned to the dust, he went home just as he was. Wow. I wonder if he knew when that happened, when he stepped over. I wonder if he knew that he had just escaped the curse and been shown a portent of what would come in Messiah. That's what he was experiencing. And see, Noah, even though he was not alive during the time of his great-grandfather, Enoch, knew of this. He'd heard the stories everybody had. And he held on to it. He believed, as you and I should. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. First Thessalonians 4, starting verse 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Yeshua died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Yeshua returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you directly from the Lord, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, With the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Those that are alive when that happens will know how Enoch felt. See, what I just read to you makes no sense to people, even to some church people. It makes no sense to them. Well, guess what? The ark and the warning of the flood made no sense either. Made no sense at all. They saw everything that was going on. 
They saw all the sin. They saw what the line of, of Cain was doing. you got to realize, at this time on the earth, as Noah's building the ark, both bloodlines are flourishing. Somewhere along the line, both bloodlines merged together in such a way that the only righteous ones left were Noah and his family. Entire families gone because they looked at Noah and mocked him. They didn't believe. They didn't want to be a part of that. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Noah knew about this. He knew that his great-grandfather had just been there one minute and gone the next. A prophetic promise in his mind from this experience told to him by his father and his grandfather. He didn't see it for himself. He heard it from others and believed it. We need to hear from others. People that have real, faith-filled, supernatural testimonies and some that even have experiential knowledge and believe. The Word tells you to believe. The Word is given to you to keep you going. Don't let anybody steal that from you. Don't let these eggheads who try to tell you something other than what the Word says. False teachers, false preachers. I bet they had them then, too. I bet they had the people explaining what Noah was doing. Not understanding that they were part of the problem, not part of the solution. Days of Noah, as I've said, began at his birth and show a growing depravity of mankind that became worse and worse until the floods came. We hear about it in chapters. Well, it didn't happen in chapters. Moses is telling us a story that has been broken down for us. But then we get to chapter 6, and it begins to tell us about the watchers that came down in the time of Jared onto Mount Hermon. We don't know when that is, but from the indications, it was well before chapter 6. I believe, and I was just discussing with Joe Citrone via text messages, I've always believed that the watchers were sent to protect and guide humanity because of Satan and his angels who fell. And then for whatever reason, they too became seduced. They saw the daughters of Adam and decided they were going to go from being extraterrestrial, angelic, to becoming terrestrial, leaving their first estate. And they brought with them a sin and a decay that infected all of mankind during the time of Noah. But just like then... Mankind was given a choice on how to live their lives. And they chose sin and wickedness. It probably looked good to them. Probably felt good when they were doing it. Noah looks like a fool. He's building an ark for water that nobody knows where it's coming from. At that point, you have to remember, if we follow just the way the earth is made... All of the continents were together as one. Why would you need a boat? There's no lakes. To, 
There's no rivers. There's no oceans. There's no massive thing that you have to cross. Why, why do you need this giant ark, Noah? Where are you going? There's no wheels on that thing. Are you going to push it? Are the elephants going to pull it? How how are you going to move this thing? But see, when the waters come down from above, come up from underneath, they split the plates apart. And that's how the continents are formed. That's how they spread away from one another. That's also how you find elements of ancient civilizations and even giant bones in America or in places so far away from where they would be. It's because at one time the entire earth was one land mass. But mankind was given a choice then just like we are now. And just like then, God delays judgment. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act. He's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Everything we do, everything we believe, everything we've been taught ties us back to John chapter 3. Every piece of history, every action of God, every prophetic message ties us back to the fact that for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal Life. He didn't do that in the beginning. He said, I'm sick of man. Sorry I ever made him. Every thought and intent of his heart is evil. But Noah found favor in the sight of God. Lamech prophesied that by naming him Noah. A prophecy that was indicating that the curse of sin and death from Genesis 3, which they were experiencing, would be undone. Genesis 3.17, then to Adam, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I have commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. I believe that word and that phrasing about the ground being cursed, and if you look at other points, it talks about no longer giving strength to you. I believe that the earth was created to sustain us forever. And at that moment, sin separated us from that blessing. And into this scenario, we have the watchers of Genesis 6 come down on Mount Hermon. They're here, for whatever reason, hundreds of years, maybe a thousand years before their actions, which is called the incursion and then the eventual flood. As I said, watch over mankind, protect mankind, guide them, and instead... They also become seduced and choose to follow a rebellious path. We don't know how. We don't know why. I personally believe that they were there in heaven when Satan made his pitch, when the third fell. 
Their minds have already been infected by his words. They get down to earth. They see how nice the daughters of Adam are, and they fall as well. But Jared has Enoch. Enoch has Lamech. Um, actually, um, Methuselah. And we have Lamech, and then we have Noah. Methuselah. Man that's lived the longest of any man. He dies just before the flood. Something about Enoch's birth. I read this to you weeks ago from Warren Wiersbe's commentary series, Be Basic. It came to me again, and, and it just resonates with me. Did the responsibility of raising a son in such a godless world so challenge Enoch that he knew he needed the Lord's help? Or when the baby was born, did God give Enoch insight into the future so that he knew the flood was coming? We don't know, but we do know that the arrival of this baby changed Enoch's life. A child can do that, can take a focus of a person off themselves and put it on to another living being. Something about that birth woke Enoch up. He became alert, became watchful. We need to wake up. No, no, really, we do. We need to wake up. You may think you're awake, but you may not be. Second Peter 3.11, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, we're talking about everything, the firmament, the sky, the stars, the world. What manner of person ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? We should be awake as well. Every time you turn on the news and you see drag queens in a church or being promoted to your children or your children being told it's okay to want to change the way they look, the way that God created them, or when you see the behavior of supposed celebrities or politicians or people out there that our sons and daughters look up to, athletes, Politicians, you should be awake. You should be able to speak to them and inform them of why what those people are saying or doing is wrong. First of all, it doesn't line up with the word and with the character of God. If you're a believer and you say you're born again and you've raised your children or your family is in what we would call a church Household. Remember, you are the church. You don't go to church. You fellowship in a building with other members of the church. But Satan, he's pretty brilliant. We, we have to give credit where credit is due. That's not saying I admire him. I will, be, I will be there cheering when the chains go on him and he gets thrown in the pit. Hopefully there's no demerits for that, but... I'm pretty sure that all of creation and all of heaven will be cheering. But we have to admit how brilliant he is. Don't ever deny that. Don't ever act like he's stupid. Oh, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to do it. And it's taken him thousands of years to get to this point 
where he believes he's ready to take it all. He's ready to go for that final match, the final championship fight, although it's no fight at all. When Yeshua leaves the throne and comes down, the fight's over. It's a bloodbath, literally. But we, little children, who abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him, beloved. Now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The world does not know him, does not see him. The world doesn't understand the Holy Spirit. The world, that same world that from the days of Noah to now have embraced the sin and the ugliness and the demonic nature of the fallen cannot and will not accept him, therefore it cannot and will not accept you. Therefore, if the world is accepting you, if the world invites you in, they want you at their parties, something's wrong with this picture. Old line from a a joke from Groucho Marx, one of the Marx brothers, I'm probably aging myself out here, he basically said, I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member. If, if you're a member of Satan's club, if you're a member of the world's club, if you get invited to those parties, if you get those jobs, something's wrong. And I thought about this yesterday. I mean, I'm just freestyling, streaming, uh, as I call it with you right now. I was thinking about this yesterday because I was looking at celebrities, singers, and stars that claim to be believers. And I'm looking at the tortured lives they live, and it finally hit me. They're living tormented lives because there are two spirits inside of them. There is the Holy Spirit, and there's the spirit of the world, which is them and Satan still bound together, and they cannot coexist. And at some point, the Holy Spirit just backs up and waits. And that person becomes tormented in their behavior and their physiology and their choices and what they say and what they do and... I wonder if that's what it was like towards the end. I wonder if there were people from the godly bloodline that were still alive, that were struggling with their choices, wanting to go to Noah and say, hey, let let me help you build the ark, but didn't. It takes a lot to step out from the crowd and say, hey, I don't want to be a part of this. It takes a lot to look at that crowd and say, I reject you takes even more to look at it and say, I rebuke you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. You are ungodly. You are of Satan. And you will see judgment. Noah looked at his great-grandfather, he, who believed God, walked with God, and Enoch was used by God to confront the most powerful evil of that day, which was the watchers, and then he went to be with God. 
Boy, is that an example for all of us to follow. And I have thought about how difficult it must have been to walk with God those years before the flood. Sin and violence and all those things were prevalent. And only a remnant of people believed in God. And as I mentioned last week, people were crying out. According to what First Enoch said, they were crying out. But it wasn't until the end when things got really ugly and, and gross on the earth that they began to cry out mass, that their voices reached heaven. I, I wonder what those people were thinking. I wonder about it now. People that know better. People that you know, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, uncles, aunts, cousins, best friends, I wonder what they're thinking when they see the signs of the times. But we have Enoch's life and Noah's witness to remind us that it's possible to be faithful to God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Remember Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that you and I, we can prove ourselves to be blameless and guileless and innocent and uncontaminated children of God. Without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked, spiritually perverted generation. Among whom we are seen as bright lights, beacons, shining out clearly into the world of darkness. That's what this is about. That's what the porch is about. That's what SRT is about. It's about shining a light into the darkness, setting the captives free, leading people out, sometimes having to go in and get them, sometimes having to set them free from the grip of the enemy, living clean, innocent lives, righteous lives as children of God. That our witnesses in our walk, our witnesses in our life, so that maybe one person in that crooked, perverse generation of people that are headed towards judgment would choose life. Again, also from Warren Wiersbe's commentary, Be Basic, he says this No matter how dark the day or how bad the news, we have the promise of the Lord's return to encourage us and motivate us to be godly. One day sin will be judged and God's people will be rewarded for their faithfulness. So we have every reason to be encouraged as we walk with God. I'm going to take that one step further. If you love him, you would do that. If you're in love with him, you would do that. If you want to be with him and see him at the end, you would do that. That's why the Lord builds upon the testimony and the lives and the works of others for him. That's why we do what we do. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm so, I don't want to say desperate, but that's the word that comes to mind. To get out there to finish the race, to finish the job and the calling. 
Let's take the fight to the enemy, put the enemy on his heels while we rescue people, while we heal people, while we preach the gospel and set the captives free, while we love on people, take them out of darkness into light, set them free of the bondage and the wounds and everything this fallen world has done to them. Living out, Matthew eleven twenty eight. the Lord said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, bringing them into a place of rest. That's what Noah was doing. Noah, the foreshadowing of Yeshua, was building an ark to escape the floods for him, his wife, his sons and daughter-in-laws, and all the animals that he put upon the ark that would never have survived Noah, meaning rest or comfort, that prophetic name given to him by his father Lamech. Noah as the one who would preserve life in the ark as the cursed earth was being cleansed by the flood. But see, he wasn't the fulfillment of Lamech's prophecy. He was a foreshadowing of the fulfillment who was Messiah that was yet to come. The days of Noah should inspire us to do more, should inspire us to walk uprightly, should inspire us to do the job. Although he lived in an age of moral darkness, and I believe 2022, it's getting darker and darker. Noah walked with God and learned of the God's plan to destroy mankind. It was given a task, build an ark large enough to shelter his family and a pair of all the birds and the beasts of that time so that they could continue on. By faith, with confidence in God and his word, Noah, being warned of God about events not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. And by this act of obedience, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. We've been warned. Yeah, we have. We've been warned. We've been warned by the word. We've been warned by true ministers and messengers of the gospel and prophetic words that are not there to tickle your ears or tell you how great it is, but to warn you about how bad it is and it's going to get worse. But Jesus, Yeshua, is coming back. Noah, the wonderful illustration of how Yeshua preserves believers from divine judgment. That God, our Abba, is long-suffering with his children and lost sinners. But when the time comes, judgment must come too. The other thing about these days that has gotten me looking at the word a little deeper as I've been seeing the days of Noah described to me in Romans chapter 1, but I've been seeing the days of now described to me in Romans chapter 1. And we have to be careful because if we preach all of Romans chapter 1, you can get arrested, you can get put in jail, and some places like Canada, they'll beat you up, lock you up, and forget that you're there. They'll do that in uh, the, the UK and other places around the world. But God does not overlook sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth. 
because that which is known about God is evident within them, in their inner consciences, consciousness and consciences. For God made it evident to them, for ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though they knew God as the creator, they did not honor him as God or give thanks for his wonderful creation. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, godless with pointless reasoning and silly speculation, and let the, and their foolish heart was darkened. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their own hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin, days of Noah. Because by choice they exchanged the truth of the Creator for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who was blessed forever, days of Noah. For this reason God gave them over to degrading and vile passions. And in their bodies, receiving the inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing, days of Noah. There's more in there, but you're going to have to read it, because I know the Lord just said if you read that out loud, you're done. And I'm not, I'm not ready to be done. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper and repulsive until they were filled, permeated, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, and mean-spiritedness, days of Noah. For they are gossips, spreading rumors, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient disrespectful to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, without pity. The days of Noah. Romans 1 was a picture of the days of Noah. It was a picture of Rome at that time, as Paul is, that's who Paul's preaching to in his last letter before he dies to the church in Rome. And it's a picture of the world right now. We are seeing the same signs today that mankind will not change and will not repent of their ways. But Noah, son of Lamech, grandson of Methuselah, great-grandson of Enoch, is our example to stay the course and tell the truth while being about our father's business. He was inspired by his great-grandfather Enoch's life and the supernatural life that was there, and he followed through. The days of Noah was the time of dedication and inspiration that we should take note of. Just like then, two types of people existing at the same time, righteous and unrighteous. Noah's hope was in what he saw in Enoch's faith. And Enoch's walk with God 
as ours is in what we know from the Word and the testimony of others and the walk of Yeshua on this earth, the walk of the disciples and the apostles on this earth, the walk of those that have gone before us to make it through the coming days. It will take those things to finish the race. Noah had a job to finish. And so do we. This is the closing statement I want to make about the days of Noah. This is the closing statement that I want to make about this mission. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Hashem, of God, for salvation from his wrath and punishment to everyone who believes in Messiah, in Yeshua, as Savior, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that awakens more faith, as it is written and forever remains written, the just and upright shall live by faith, Noah, and his family in the days of Noah. As it was, it is again. Will you be an example? Will you be one of those people that they look at and say, you know what? They didn't waver in their faith. They didn't waver in the calling. They didn't waver in their belief in the word, no matter what was said by by friends and families. You have to remember, Noah must have had family members, cousins, aunts or uncles, people that he had grown up with, that had been alive and with him all those times who rejected him and did not hear what he had to say that mocked him and maybe looked at him and as the door was closing, and of course, I believe it was closing supernaturally because it says the Lord closed the, the door of the ark. Whew, I'm so jacked up, can't speak. The Lord closed the door of the ark and sealed them in. And maybe some people started going, oh, what just happened? And then the rain came. And then the floods came. Folks, it's coming. Except this time it'll be judgment and fire. But before then, we were going to live through some bad times. But I am going to walk as in the days of Noah, as it was, it is again. Father, I just come to you now. Hopefully I got across what you had to say. Hopefully, Holy Spirit, I gave you something to work with. I pray that your children would wake up, that they would be alert, that they would be vigilant, that something stirred in them tonight, this day, whenever it is they listen to this, to want to be like Noah, to want to be about their father's business, to be a light in the darkness, to set the captives free, to want to be a part of this push towards the end of righteousness and holiness, and hope. Let it rain down upon us, Lord. Let your love, your hope, your power, your peace, your presence, your provision, let it rain down upon us. How he cut the trees, how he got the wood, how he stayed protected from all that, I believe was supernatural. Do it for us. Let's finish the race. Let's run it. 
Let's leave it all out on the field. Touch us, Lord, as it was in the days of Noah. It is again, and we desperately, desperately need you. I pray all these things, and if you agree with me, and you say amen, believe it, say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.